Well, the college football season ended with a lot of Buckeye fans extremely upset. A, Michigan won the national championship after beating Ohio State for the third consecutive year. And so uh, Buckeye fans were wondering, what would the Buckeyes do? How would their offseason go after seeing their arch rival claim their first national championship since 1997? Well, as bad as those last two games were for the Buckeyes, after Michigan won it, maybe it's because they won it, the Buckeyes have been very active in the transfer portal uh, as well as uh, hiring and firing coaches, and we wanted to get all caught up on that, so we figured, you know what, let's check in with our good buddy, from Bucknuts.com, Buckeyes beat reporter Steve Hellwagon joining us. Happy New Year, Steve. Thanks for joining us. And, boy, the Buckeyes got after it, didn't they? Yeah, it's been a pretty eventful last three weeks, really, since that bowl loss to Missouri. Uh, in fact, we were at uh, Ohio State today for about an hour as they uh, introduced the new athletic director, Ross Bjork. And uh, he's very bullish, it sounds like, on Ryan Day. He says that uh, he's looking forward to the day that uh, – Ryan Day leads Ohio State back to championships and uh, all these other things and believes he's the guy to do it. So sounds like the, uh, the, the, the coach, after five years on the job, has got a, a guy on his side with the new athletic director. Of course, Gene Smith retiring after 19 years, and he'll be leaving Ohio State this spring. And uh, it'll be uh, Ross Bjork, uh, formerly of Old Miss, and then uh, Texas A&M uh, coming in. Uh, July 1st as the new athletic director. So uh, that's kind of the new direction of things there in Columbus, you know, here in Columbus today. But, uh, yeah, Ryan Day has let uh, no moss grow under his feet. As you guys said, he fired a couple of assistants, Perry Eliano and uh, Parker Fleming, uh, brought back a guy, Matt Guerrieri, who was uh, a program assistant previously, and he's going to be coaching safety going forward. They've been active in the transfer portal. They've gotten some – high school players to commit. Uh, they're still recruiting even some high school seniors. They're trying to get a couple of uh, high-profile transfers. I mean, it's uh, it's an ongoing thing for Ryan Day. They're, they're not resting on, uh, on the way that the season ended, no doubt. Stephen, I know we're talking football, but as it pertains to this new athletic director, Ross Bjork, how do you think he feels about Chris Holtman? Well, he was asked about him and said he seems like a nice guy. And uh, <laughs> That's not a vote of confidence. That's not the same vote of confidence he gave his football coach. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, this season, had a lot of promise. They were 12-2 and two at one point. They've lost three games in a row. Now they're 12-5, and five, and they play a game at home on Saturday against Penn State. And, you know, I think Holtman still has a pretty sizable buyout, but this guy, Ross Bjork, coming in knows all about buyouts. He gave uh, Jimbo Fisher $75 million to walk away uh, from Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, he, I guess he can lay his hands on money anytime. anytime. <laughs> Maybe he brought a bag of money with him from Texas. Yeah, be, be nice be nice to be able to do that, Jeez. wouldn't it? But uh, in all seriousness, um, I think that uh, – they need to turn their season around. I think that's the first thing is that they've got 14 regular season games left and uh, they need to uh, flip this thing around. They, they've had a real problem finishing games here. They're tied with about five minutes to go in most of these losses and end up losing, you know, five to 10 points, you know, in the last five minutes of the game. And you, and you can't keep doing that. So uh, we'll see Saturday if they're able to turn a corner a little bit, but uh, yeah, 
a lot of season to go, and it isn't trending real well right now for them. Steve, is it a lack of talent? I mean, we know there's talent on the football team. Can they compete in basketball? Well, yeah, I think Ohio generally has been a pretty good state in producing talent, uh, you know, over the years. Probably not as good. I mean, these guys were in high school almost 15 years ago, and that's Aaron Kraft and Jared Sellinger. I mean, that time has really slipped by in a hurry on us. But Ohio generally hasn't produced a ton of great, great talent like those guys in the last decade. I think it's coming back. Uh, there were some guys up there in Northeast Ohio that, that you know, we saw at the state Final Four last year. And uh, 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 Darren Peterson, for one, I think uh, from there in the Canton-Akron area, he's now down at Huntington Prep. He's a 2025 prospect. He's really big-time player. Uh, Dorian Jones at Richmond Heights. T.J. Crumble is a sophomore at Richmond Heights. Uh, there's uh, Marcus Johnson at Garfield Heights is a sophomore. These guys are all among the top 25 nationally in their respective classes in 2025 and 2026. And Holtman needs to have stability so that he's the coach that brings those guys into Ohio State and with NIL money, uh, you know, find the right uh, right fit, you know, for that to get those guys on campus if they're only going to play one year of college basketball it needs to be at ohio state so uh that's that's kind of the future of the program kind of lies with whether or not uh, he's still there and whether they as ohio state can attract those top guys steve let's get back to the the football program and the guys that elected to stay and come back for either their fourth year their fifth year whatever it is another year to try and beat michigan um who surprised you the most in returning to the Buckeyes, and it's a long list. We knew Harrison was going to the NFL because he's a top-five pick, but of the guys that came back, and there were some big names, who surprised you the most? You know, I think there's three of them that really stood out because uh, these guys were all, uh, according to CBSSports.com, probably in the top 40 uh, on the draft list, and uh, those guys were probably Emeka Duca, although he was banged up this year, JT Tui Malowal. Uh, in there, and of course, uh, uh, did I, I said Abuka, Abuka, Tui Malowal, and Jack Sawyer, maybe Jack Sawyer. Yeah, the three of them were all listed highly on the on the draft rankings. Oh, Denzel Burke. Denzel oh, okay. Burke was the other one, and Sawyer was a little farther down the list. But those three guys, Burke, Abuka, and Tui Malowal, uh, if they all go off and test really well and do really well in the combine and everything else leading up to the draft, they could have all snuck into the late end of the first round. And, you know, in some regards, they're betting on themselves. But if they come back, have that kind of a killer year, like Chris Olave did a couple years ago as the wide receiver as an example, you can jump up into the top 15. Mm. And now you've set yourself up so much better, obviously, going into your pro career. So uh, interesting. I, I think it is uh, – uh, a tremendous hit for Ohio State, but again, all the chips are now in the middle of the table for 2024. I, I, people on my chat that I did on our website are like, can they play some of the backups in 2024 to get them ready for 2025? And I'm like, well, you know, you, you got to win the games in 2024 first, but this guy makes a really good point because yep. all things considered equal, they're only going to have about six returning starters back in 2025 if everything goes off, you know, without a hitch in 2024. So uh, with Will Howard coming in from Kansas State to play quarterback for one year, 
Uh, you're down to your last year with Travion Henderson. You're down to your last year with Agbuka and Sawyer and Tui Malowal and Donovan Jackson and so many other guys, Denzel Burke. This is it. This is their last year. There's no fifth year, sixth year for any of these guys. They started in 2021, and they'll be done in 2024. And so it's going to be a tremendous talent turnover in this program after the upcoming season. So uh, they really need to make it happen in 2024. Which is fine. You come back, you finish your job just like they did up north. You win a national championship. You start it all over again because we know this team just reloads. Steve, one of my biggest things was when we talked about this transfer portal, and you mentioned Will Howard, you get a quarterback after the portal closed. You got an offensive lineman from Alabama after the portal closed. What are you hearing about this safety from Alabama? And do they even really need him? Because if you're getting uh, Sonny Styles back, if you're getting Lathan Ransom back and others in that secondary, is there room for Caleb Downs on this team? Well, a player of Caleb Downs, caliber i think he was the national freshman of the year i think there's a sean alexander award that may go out to the top first year player in the country and he had over 100 tackles for alabama which won the sec and uh, went to the playoffs and uh obviously it's a tremendous flow for alabama uh if he were to leave i think another one of their guys caden proctor is also possibly thinking about jumping into the portal as well oh, they're they're in the portal right because their coach leaves well, yeah they they have the right to jump into it That's it's right. a process you got to have the compliance mm-hmm. department fill out all the paperwork and put your name in it it takes a few days but okay. yeah there it, it looks like they're going to be in and as guys who just lost their coach they're exempt from the rules right. they, they have x number of days from when their coach leaves uh, to, to enter and uh, go on to their next school if that's what they want to do, I presume, you know, at the start of the summer term. So, uh, you know, long story short, I, I don't know about Downs. I think Downs could be more inclined to go to Georgia where he had a tie with one of the assistant coaches there, probably more. I mean, Matt Guerrero is the new safeties coach replacing Periano Eliano at Ohio State. Is he going to build that uh, bond? Uh, is it Ryan Day? Is it Jim Knowles? You know, who, who's building that bond uh, with Caleb Downs to get him to Ohio State? If they get him on campus for a visit, that'd be huge. Uh, how he would fit in, yes, you're getting Ransom and Styles back. Uh, Styles could possibly move down and play linebacker if they deem that that's what they want him to do. Uh, they okay. played three safeties quite a bit, but when Ransom, uh, or, yeah, when Ransom got hurt, they actually went with three corners and two safeties because uh, Hancock got on the field more as the third quarterback uh, basically playing the same role as a safety and uh, that's how they went so just to get the best players on the field I don't I think we get caught up in titles too much but uh, just get the best players on the field and I think if Downs came here he'd be one of their five best DBs no doubt yeah I agree with you on that Steve and uh, we'll keep an eye on that what about the kid from Ole Miss the running back uh, because uh, when it was announced he was coming to Ohio State via the transfer portal we had not heard uh, you know Trevian Henderson's uh, you know, final decision. Well, we know Henderson's back, and the kid from uh, Ole Miss is coming here. So, is it um, a good thing that they have that much depth now, and they'll use both of them, or could that kid reconsider now that Henderson's coming back? Yeah, that is uh, really something. Uh, again, I think Judkins, uh, Quinshawn Judkins, the player from Ole Miss who rushed for twenty-seven hundred yards the last two years. I think he knew full well that there was a possibility that Henderson would come back. 
And I think, in his words, he wants to, to go and, and play and win a national championship, and I don't think he saw that conduit to do that at Ole Miss, that ability to do that. So I think uh, he wants to be part of something. I think he does view himself as an NFL player after his third year of college. That's what yeah. all the indications were from the people we talked to at Ole Miss about what's kind of going through his head. So, uh, again, I think he's going to be happy to accept a role alongside Henderson, and there's going to be plenty of work for both of them. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. I don't envision that he's going to be upset now that uh, uh, that, that, that uh, Henderson is staying at Ohio State. Henderson's only played eight games each of the last two years. So there's opportunities there. Uh, for him or Dallin Hayden or somebody at some point uh, to play. And, and we'll just see again how it all shakes out. But uh, the makings are there uh, to have one heck of a running game. when you've got, again, two guys that have 1,000-yard career or 1,000-yard seasons on their career with Henderson and Judkins, and you can mix and match them. It, it should be an exciting tandem. Buckeyes should be loaded next season. There's no doubt about it. Steve Hellwagon joins us right now with Bucknuts.com. Okay, Steve, we talked about new athletic director, new president coming in. What are you hearing about a new offensive coordinator? And the name we keep hearing is a former Mount Union guy in Jason Candle, who's a head football coach at Toledo. Do you see them bringing in a new offensive coordinator? And to me, this is kind of shocking. I thought we had an offensive coordinator, and I thought that was another Cantonian in Brian Hartline. Yeah, I think right now uh, some of the talk about Jason Candle may have slowed down a little bit in regards to Ohio State. He's still the head coach, obviously, at Toledo. And as I looked it up, he was making a little over a million dollars a year. If he comes to Ohio State, uh, they're paying their coordinators uh, $1.5 to $2 million a year. So it would be a, a raise, certainly, for him. Uh, my feeling is whoever they hire uh, would probably come in with the title of co-coordinator. They're not going to take that away from – Ryan Hartline, uh, and yet I think Ryan Day realizes that uh, he needs somebody that was like the Kevin Wilson factor, mm-hmm. the veteran guy in the room, uh, to uh, to really help them in, in some situations with game planning and play calling. So uh, to me, uh, if Ryan Day was asked about it after the press conference today and said he had nothing to report as of today yeah. and uh, said when, when he has something to let us know about, he'll be in touch. So uh, he says – we are continuing to look at everything. So, right. uh, you know, there is one opening on the staff right now because they fired two guys mm-hmm. and they brought in one with Guerrero. And they could go in any direction. They could bring in a defensive assistant or an offensive assistant with that one spot or create another opening uh, by uh, getting rid of one of the current offensive uh, assistants. And, and that's certainly within the realm as well. So, uh, I guess just to keep your eyes and ears open, but. What I heard about Candle was it was kind of backing away from him. Okay. Maybe he wants to stay at Toledo. Maybe Toledo's raising his uh, salary a little bit to keep him there. They had another really good year, although they didn't win the MAC. And uh, you know, I'm surprised he's even still there. I would have figured a Big Ten or somebody mm. would have uh, plucked him off. He's won a couple of MAC titles, and usually by that point, uh, you're off to bigger and better things. But uh, he's done a great job at Toledo. Be interesting to see if they make any moves with that offensive line coach and Justin Fry. But I really want to ask you, you know, when we talk about an offensive coordinator, I was kind of surprised by seeing that they may even be entertaining the fact. But then again, you start wondering if Brian Hartline really is at the time and position that he should be an offensive 
coordinator or if it's just a title. How much do you feel they really missed Kevin Wilson this past season? Well, I think there was an impact on that. Uh, You take a guy with his 30-some years of coaching experience out of the loop, and I think he was kind of a a voice of reason, you know, kind of that you you had the good devil on one side or the good angel on one side and the devil on the other, and he was the guy that kind of, uh, you know, Kept kept the car between the lines, so to speak. You know, sometimes with some of the play calling and some of the realistic ideas, I guess, of of what you could and could not uh, accomplish offensively. And you know, the proof kind of speaks in the pudding. I mean, it just it just wasn't as good this past year. Any way you want to chop it up. Now you can say, well, that was the quarterback's fault or the offensive line's fault, and so on and so forth. But uh, I think you get into some of these games and you're in a tight spot, and you just didn't, like the Missouri game, you just didn't have the answer for what whatever it was Missouri was trying to do, and uh, you know, obviously got exposed. You didn't play as good uh, offensively against Michigan, perhaps, as you had in some of the other games, and, you know, just, just little things. And I think, uh, again, some of this is on the execution of the offensive line and the quarterback, and it just wasn't there at times this year, but uh, – I do believe that uh, he wants to get somebody who can help him both preparing for games and also calling games. And whether that is a play caller per se, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't read his mind about whether he wants to, to give that up or not. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of evidence out there that it could be worthwhile exploring that. Steve Hellwang and our guest, outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter at Bucknuts.com. You can follow him on Twitter on a daily basis at Steve Hellwagon. We saw today Kevin Stefanski making some moves with his coaches. We saw Ryan Day making some moves with his coaches. Is that uh, a way to take some of the heat off or distract from the fact that, well, Stefanski lost the playoff game and Ryan Day for the third consecutive year lost to uh, Michigan, third consecutive year 11-2, and two, and they didn't make the playoffs. So was this a way to maybe uh, you know try and distract from, from Ryan Day being on the hot seat or no? No, I don't necessarily see it that way. And, uh, again, I mean, Ohio State's in this position of transition right now from Gene Smith to to Ross Bjork, and I think that stability is what they're going for right now with Ryan Day. And uh, Ross came in with both guns blazing, you know, with supporting Ryan Day fully and and completely and saying this is a guy we're going to win championships with. It's going to be great on that day when we do it. And, uh he thinks it's coming down the line, and so he is 100% uh, behind him. Now, again, you know, you go back two or three years, he was 100% behind who? Jimbo L- uh, Fisher down there at, uh, at Texas A&M. He was behind him until he wasn't behind him, you know? So, right. And, and the other thing was, as we kind of heard that whole story come up several times today, and even the president, uh, Ted Carter, who's only been on the job about two weeks at Ohio State, he said, how much did the Jimbo Fisher thing come up, you know, in your discussion? Because that was somewhat of a black eye, you know, for them at Texas A&M. They paid somebody $75 million to walk away from coaching college football, you know, in a time, in an economy, and just – it's so ridiculous to even think about it, you know, that, that that's what they did, that they committed that money to somebody who wasn't any good two years later. You know, just it, – it, it's amazing. But – that's how far out of touch with reality college athletics is right now. And uh, so uh, he's, he's all, 
all in on Ryan Day as of now, and I think that Ryan Day is their guy. I just, I, I, he's got a, a, an ironclad contract for several more years. I mean, it'd be a huge buyout to get rid of him too. So I think they're going to make the best of it and give him all the resources he needs to get it done. Steve, last thing, and I'll let you go. This is me personally. The one need I think they still have is a left tackle. I didn't like Simmons when he came to Ohio State, and and I'm going to continue to beat my drum on this because he was at San Diego State for a reason or wherever he came from, and it showed that he is not Big Ten worthy in my opinion. So are they looking for uh, a new left tackle because this kid is not the answer. He doesn't match up, uh, you know, uh, to any of the Michigan offensive linemen, and that's their biggest need, in my opinion. And we saw that uh, perfectly in a bowl game against Missouri. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're coming from 100%, and I'd probably agree. I would say maybe he has some serviceability as a right tackle. I don't think he's a left tackle at this level. And uh, again, I think at this point, with the transfer portal uh, generally closed. I mean, there'll, there'll be some guys that go in. They did get Seth McLaughlin, as you guys said, from Alabama, who's going to come in and probably either be a center or a guard. I think there is an opening for a tackle. Either you develop one in-house with Ted Gritashbola or uh, uh, Montgomery, Luke Mont- I think it's Luke Montgomery, the offensive lineman, uh, it was a freshman this past year. One of those guys steps up and takes a job away from Fryer or uh, or Simmons, or you have to go into the portal and find somebody who's going to play because we, we know what these guys are capable of, and it's not championship caliber. It's just not. So, right. to me, uh, I think you exhaust all possibilities this spring, and, and uh, either you develop your own homegrown and to where you know you're going to be okay. Hey, in spring football – these guys got their helmet handed to them last year by Ohio State's defensive line, and guess what? Everybody but Mike Hall Jr. is back. So they're going to get tested every day all spring, and by practice 14-15 in the spring game, if it is Justin Fry and Brian Hartline and Ryan Day and whoever they hire, uh, they're going to have a full idea of what who can do what and get into the portal and find somebody who can come in and help the bottom line. So that, that's where they're at. Steve, great information as always. Keep up the fantastic work with you and your team there at bucknuts.com, and we'll talk again down the road, all right? All right, guys. You have a good one. We'll see you later. All right, there he is, Steve Hellwagon. little basketball, little football, head coaches, uh, new athletic director, new pre- – hey, a lot of new, but Ryan Day and, and uh, Chris Holtman uh, are, are there for at least one more season. Three months away from spring football. The spring game has been set for Saturday, April 13th in Columbus. Is it okay? All right, and uh, you know we'll see by then um, what other new players might be in the fold for, for their roster. Too. Yeah, do you do you think Fry is safe on the offensive line as the coach? I I do, and the reason I do is because of the fact that we haven't heard anything. There's been no inkling, other than yourself and myself, and maybe a few others that say, "Hey, maybe we need to look at this offensive line coach." I know other people that aren't as hard on them as you have been, but again. When you haven't seen them more than one season, in a season where we didn't think the running backs were any good, and that was a reason to de- the offensive line was no good. And then all of a sudden, Travion Henderson comes around. He starts running the ball better. Once you start running the ball better because you've got a guy that can hit the hole quicker, you stop worrying about the offensive line as much. I mean, you can look at this past season and say a number of things. And one of them was Kyle McCord wasn't a great quarterback. But yet, 
I believe he was second in the Big Ten in passing. He threw over 3,000 yards, 25, 26 touchdown passes, whatever it was. Something still seemed wrong with that offense. I don't know if it was up front. I don't know if it was in the backfield. It's hard to put a finger on. But at the end of the day, they go 11-1 and in the regular season. How they did it? Maybe they didn't play good enough competition. Maybe that's the way college football is today. Maybe it's more like the NFL, and there's just parity in college football now. And if that's the case, you should be loaded. You should be really, really content with bringing everyone back next season yeah. and going after it. Well, they need to get the same results that Michigan got when they brought back 43 seniors, right? right. And those kids came back and won a national championship. And for me now, with everybody that uh, they got in the transfer portal and all the guys that are coming back, it's championship, and I'm not talking Big Ten, national championship or bust next season. No ifs, ands, or buts about it.